listening to Treasuring Scripture, a podcast of the weekly teaching ministry of Lebanon Baptist Church, Roswell, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us at LebanonBaptist.org. Let me invite you today to turn your Bibles to Romans 5. Romans 5, we are going to once again investigate what God has said to his church. And we will do that here in Romans 5. We have been over the last number of weeks, uh, been looking at the power of the gospel and learning about it. It should be the gospel what fuels your current life. Why? It's because you find God in the gospel. And God is ultimately the one in whom you should live and move and have your being. So if you're here today and you are running on fumes, or maybe you are just out of gas, or maybe you just need to top off, okay, Romans is the service station for you. And I trust that as we pull into this particular text, that you will once again find God who will help you move forward. Of course, I've told you that Romans 5 is one of those vistas in the book of Romans, in which what Paul does is he takes a few moments to look back at what he has already said at the beginning of the chapter. He has us look around to see what we have as a result of the gospel, and then he also causes us to kind of look ahead and what God has prepared for us and given to us. And if you're a believer and you have been justified by faith, God has done incredible things for you, and he is doing incredible things for you, and he shall do incredible things in the days ahead. What we've seen in chapter 5 so far is he showed us these colossal gifts that God has provided for us in Christ. And if you're a child of God, you got these in your stocking. They're yours. They're, I, I trust you've Put your hands in there and held them, this peace of God, this hope, this access. And today what we're going to do is look at more of what God has given you in the gospel. Our text is uh, verses 9 through 11 of chapter 5. So would you follow along as I read this? What I want to do is just maybe start a few verses before that in verse 6. It says this, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Pray with me. Father, today we once again need your spirit 
to illuminate our hearts. And I ask that today that you would allow all the distractions of this life, all the various things that are upcoming even this week to be laid aside, and that today that we would focus our attention on your word and would you help us to grasp these truths that really can continue to transform our lives and help us to live our current Christian life. Guide us to this end, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. This past Friday, uh, I took a group to the airport for a mission trip. Uh, Many of you know that we have plant camp mission trip going on on the other side of Atlanta today, but we also have a number of our people who went on this mission trip to Columbia, South America. And I had the opportunity to take them to the airport uh, on Friday afternoon. I know for me, whenever I get ready to travel internationally, I often repeatedly want to put my eyes or my hands on my passport regularly. Is it still there? Is it still in that little pocket in my backpack? Is it still in that little place that I hid it? Why? It's because I want to make sure that I have my credentials to get me home. In fact, as, as we were traveling to the airport, I once again asked everyone, everybody have their passport. And I believe some of them were like, okay, let's just check, do that pat one more time, make sure it's in there. You know what? We've all gone through the panic of not locating something that's very important for, to us for just a moment. In our turbulent at times, Christian lives, there are sometimes you can wonder if you still have that passport to heaven. Am I actually on my way there? Am I going to be able to get into God's presence for all eternity? I know for me, I struggled with what we would call assurance of salvation for numbers of years. In fact, I was studying for the ministry and working on a degree in Bible, and I was still just at times wondering, checking my passport. Do I have it? Am I going to get there? Am I going to make it? Maybe that's you today. There were Romans who were reading this particular letter now 2,000 years ago who believed that Jesus had booked that trip to heaven for them, but they needed, to double, they needed a double check. There was still just maybe a little bit of anxiety in reference to it. Some were asking that fateful question, have I done too much, as Stephen referred, I mean, persecuting the church, Paul had. Have I done too much to exclude myself from heaven? Or have I not done enough? Is there one of the boxes that I haven't checked? Have I done everything that I needed to do? Well, Romans, this whole 16 chapters was written to help assure you of your salvation. We are all, okay, initially under God's wrath. But Paul has shown that salvation 
wasn't anything that you could do yourself. In fact, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But he has shown you it is all that God has done for you. We are justified. We are made righteous. We get our passport, okay, by the work of God. It is by him. We receive it by faith. We simply look to him. The Bible says we turn from our sin. We repent and believe in him. And at that moment, you become justified. But there were Romans who didn't have all the Jewish credentials. All they had was Jesus. And let me tell you, he's enough. And he's been telling them that. And beginning in Romans chapter 5, Paul shows them the colossal gifts that they received at the moment they were justified. They received peace with God. They received access to God and to the grace in which he uh, wanted to give them in every area of life. They also received the opportunity to rejoice in the assurance that they would see and share in the glory of God. And not only that, as we saw last week, they rejoice because God's love has been poured out into their hearts because not only has he given them love, he's given them himself, the Holy Spirit, to live inside of them. And we saw last week how God's love so far outweighs anything that you and I can compare to in this earth when it comes to human love because it fails all the time. But that brings us to our text this morning. And today what Paul does is he takes a moment to assure them of how they can individually rest and rejoice in God who has saved them completely. That's what I want you to do. If you're here today and there is anxiety in reference to your passport to heaven, if there is question marks, if there are things that you're struggling with, this text was written so that you could rest and rejoice in God who has saved you completely. If you have depended on him and placed your faith in him as Romans 1, 2, 3, and 4 spelled out for you, since you have been justified by faith, what he does today is he shows you you can rest in this and you can rejoice in God completely. So today, are you today resting in the work of Jesus Christ? that what he's done for you, and that you're resting in the fact that you are going to be with God for eternity. And let me add to that, are you rejoicing in him? Is there a relationship with him like, man, there's nothing greater. I got, I'm set. I got God. Are you rejoicing in him? Your salvation and what he has provided for you in your justification provides you just that. You can rest in him and you can rejoice in him. 
And so let's look at those two things. Number one, I want you to see that you can rest in the work of God on your behalf. Now, I say that if you are justified by faith. If you have believed and placed your faith in Christ, you can rest in his work on your behalf. And that's found in verses 9 and 10. Look what it says in verse 9. He says this, Since therefore we now have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. This is what I want to do. I want you to put your thinking caps on, put your observation caps on for a moment, and I want you to see a few different features in verses 9 and 10 that can help you find rest in God. No doubt all of you have at times dealt with trying to find rest at night. Maybe it's physical rest, and people give you, hey, see this, try this, do this, do this, and then maybe you can get some physical rest this way. I'm not going to diagnose your physical rest, but I am going to say this. There are some features in these two verses that if you are not at rest when it comes to your eternal salvation, that these verses can help provide that. And so you want to take note of it. So what I want you to see is this. First of all, I want you to see their problem. How do I know that they were kind of struggling with this? That some of the Romans were wondering about the wrath to come and all of this. Well, there were those, I believe, who were wondering if they would be spared judgment on the last day. How do I know that? Look at verse 9. It says this. It says, since therefore you have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God. What they're thinking is this. Am I going to have to deal with God's wrath? Because in Romans chapter 1, I introduced you to the wrath of God that the Bible says was on all humanity. So they're wondering about God's wrath in the last day. And they're also In verse 10, it says, uh, let me read it again. For while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more shall, now that we are reconciled, shall we be what? Saved by his life. So notice those two phrases. The wrath of God and saved. Evidently, Paul is writing this because there were people who had a problem wondering if they would not have to go through God's wrath, and be saved. You know, the final judgment, you can read about that in the book of Revelation. I mean, it's a scary thing. I can understand how people would be nervous about it. Listen to what Revelation 20 says. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And then I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by that which was in the books, according to what they had done. 
And the sea gave up the dead. I mean, to the point of, I mean, many of you followed the submarine this week. And those five who died in that sub in the middle of the ocean. At one day, those bodies, which will probably never be recovered, the Bible says that the sea at some point is going to give up the bodies. It will give up the dead. And they will be reunited with their souls. Because that's what it says here. It says, and the sea gave up the dead, which was uh, in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I mean, I can understand how those of us need to think about that. Because it is a judgment that we can be fearful in reference to. But, can God who justifies and forgives us initially of all of our sin, can he actually finish the job? What he started, can he get done? Can he really save me to the uttermost? You may be here today and you may be wondering that as well. You vacillate. You're always fearing. As soon as someone talks about the judgment, you go to a dark place. You worry. Maybe you, God, if I didn't say it right last time, I want to say it right this time. It's not your words that you say. As we've looked at, all the thief on the cross said is, remember me when you go into paradise. And God interpreted it as that man's place in his faith in him. It's not your words. It's looking to him. It's placing your faith in him. God doesn't want you to waffle in reference to this. He wants you to rest in what he has done for you. You do need to understand the essence of the gospel. And if some of you are here today and you're waffling back and forth and wondering about this, it is a point where you need some maturity when it comes to understanding the gospel message because the gospel message should provide you rest. So we see the problem that some of these Romans were having and that's why we have verses 8 and 9. But now I want you to see his logic. What Paul does is he does something to help them, and he uses just basic logic. And it starts at the beginning of verse 9 where he says, since therefore. And of course, whenever you see that, you know he's, he's already communicated some truths at the beginning of the chapter. And he talks about justification and all these things that you have received, and he's building on this truth that he has previously stated. And what Paul now does who was a master at logic, he now argues what I believe is from the greater to the lesser. He shows them this, that if, he shows them that what God's love has done for them in giving his son to die for them when they were weak, ungodly sinners and also enemies. He says, okay, God loved you when you were weak, ungodly, sinners, 
and he's about to say you were enemies. If God loved you and justified you at that very moment, in that very condition, would he not now save you as well from future wrath? Of course he would. He argues with phrases. Notice in the the text, he says in verse 8, he says, since therefore you have been justified by his blood, much what? Much more. And then in verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. So let me explain this here. He basically is using from the greater to the lesser. If you knew that I could lift 500, or bench press 500 pounds, which I can't. Uh, uh, let's say you knew that I could bench press 500 pounds. If you gave me a 100-pound dumbbell, oh yeah, he can do that because he can do the 500. Okay, if I gave you, let's say, a million dollars, okay, I can give you a quarter, okay? And what Paul is just doing in this text is this. He is just in verses 6, 7, and 8, showed you how while you were the most vile sinner, an enemy of God, he set his love on you and he justified you as an enemy. If he just did that for you, in that case, will he not, now that you're his child, not deliver you from future wrath? And the the answer is, of course he would. He is going to rescue you. If God loved you enough to do all of that when you were uh, basically stiff-arming him, he will take care of you. He will keep you. And let me remind you, when you read your Bibles, you do, and Paul does this masterfully, use logic. If he does certain things, you can put him to the test. So let's, we saw their problem. We saw Paul's logic. I want you to see what God's done, his work now. See God's work. He emphasizes two key doctrines, justification and reconciliation. Now, we've talked about justification before here. Justification is God and how he uh, justifies us, okay, and declares us righteous we who were unrighteous. So you and I, we were totally unrighteous. We deserved no access into heaven. And God, forensically, you and I who were dead in our trespasses and sins, he says you are righteous. And he does that on account of God's work and you placing your faith in Christ. So justification is that, okay? And we know Uh, according to verse 9, let me read it to you again, but God, oh, excuse me, verse 9, since therefore we have been justified or declared righteous by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So he's basically saying this, if God justified you when you were an enemy, Will he not also save you completely in the end? And then not only does he do that, he says, okay, I I justified you when you were a sinner, but not only did I justify you, 
I did something else for you. And that's what verse 10 is all about. He reconciled you. What's this? The second work. Literally, reconciliation, the word there means atonement. Or if we were to sound it out, at one meant. And the idea here is this. This is where the worst of sinners becomes the best of friends. Or the worst of enemies becomes the best of friends. You had declared war on God, and honestly, God had declared war on you. The worst of enemies, reconciliation is, is those two becoming the best of friends. You and I were hostile toward God. In fact, Colossians 1 that we read earlier in the, te- in the service, it says, in you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He has now, listen to this, reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been declared in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So here's God who is hostile toward you, but through the work of God, you are now totally restored with one another. Wow. If he reconciled you when you were enemies, will he not on the last day when that judgment comes, will he not also deliver you? So we've seen their problem. We've seen Paul's logic. If God would do this, of course he's going to take care of that. We've seen him show you two of these things that he's done for you, justification and reconciliation. I want you to also see, if you can even divide this because Jesus is God, but see Jesus' particular work all through these verses, it says that all of this was accomplished not through you. All of it was accomplished through Jesus. In fact, in fact, it says, by his blood. And what that emphasizes is the sacrificial nature of Jesus' death. He shed his blood for you. He was the one who accomplished it. It says in another place, it says, by him. That's in verse uh, Let me just point them out. Let me read these two verses again. Since therefore we have been now justified by his blood, uh, 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 Jesus, much more shall we be saved by him. uh, uh, uh. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. There it is. uh, uh, Another alarm system going off. Much more now that we are reconciled, We shall be saved by his life. And there's the alarm going off again. Do you think Paul's trying to emphasize something? It was nothing that you did. It was everything that Jesus did on the cross. All you did was you looked to him. He's my savior. And as I looked to him, the moment you were justified by faith, he has delivered you from all of that wrath That little phrase at the end, by his life, really the Greek word there, by, is the word in. You are saved in his life. 
This is probably forecasting what we're going to look at, Lord willing, next week, how we can either be in Adam or we can be in Christ. And those of us who have been justified by faith, we are now in Christ. And of course, it it, it kind of alludes to his resurrection and his life because he rose from the dead. Also, his work of intercession that he does now that he lives, he ever lives to intercede for us. And the idea is Jesus has done everything you need. Look at his work. But I also want you to catch this. See all the times associated in this that help secure you. What are the times? Do you know our salvation is one? It happens like in a moment, but it has various times associated with it. Let me describe it this way. There was, you could say, a distant past. And he uses the text, you were enemies, okay? And imagine this little section right here is, there was a time when you were an enemy of God. And maybe some, some of you today, right now, if you have never embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are under God's wrath and you were an enemy. All of you at one point were there. But the Bible says when you got saved, there are three other times that are associated with your salvation, but all of them are connected together. And once he starts with the first, all three will happen. One of them is not distant past. When you were enemies, it's now the past. And the past was this. In the text, he kept saying, you have been justified. And the idea is there was a time that you weren't justified, but you now have been. It's done. It's been complete. And now it has present repercussions. So I have been justified. So it's done. So we know our salvation involves something that happened in the past. And for me, I've told you this before, I think my justification happened personally, sometime between 8 and 16. I had finally placed my faith in Jesus Christ. I can't tell you the date. I think I can give you a time range. But when I finally looked to Jesus to save me, I know that I was justified. He forgave me of all my past sins, my present sins, and my future sins, and I was justified. But your salvation just doesn't have a past component. It also now has a present component. And that's why he says in the text repeatedly, now. Did you catch that? Now. I can do this. I can now rejoice. And we often call that period in our life our sanctification. He who justified you is also going to continue to sanctify or make you more holy. So that's the now. So you got the distant past, enemies. The past, I have been justified. The now, the present, I can live for God. In fact, he's going to talk about this in in chapters 6, 7, and 8, how you and I can live differently in this world now. He has delivered us. That's why Paul will tell the Galatians, he has delivered you not from the future evil world. It says that he has delivered you from this present evil world. You can enjoy your salvation now. But then the Bible also talks about a shall, and it's a future. You shall be delivered from the wrath to come. Now catch this. 
that future and that present and then that past. That, that's your salvation and all of them are connected. And anytime God starts the work, he finishes it. And what he's telling you in this text is this. If he justified you and he reconciled you when you were enemies of his, how much more, much more, will he save you in the future? You can rest in it. You need to learn these truths and you need to uh, sear them into your heart so that you can rejoice and live gloriously now. That's what's happening here. It's all a package deal. Many of you have gone to a car wash before, okay? And, and of course, I'm one of the cheaper ones who, like, I'll do the, the ultimate basic. Okay, but normally the basic will at least do this. It'll give you some washing. It'll, uh, it'll rinse you. And then it'll blow dry you on your way out. Okay, it's like, it's a package deal. You get the wash, you got the rinse, you got the blow, okay? You know what? When you got saved, he is going to deal with everything. He's going to get you through. He's going he's to finish the job on you. And if you're wondering, are the, is the dryer going to come on? Am I really going to get that last part? You know what? If he has washed you, if he has justified you, and he is rinsing you every day of your life, let me tell you, you are going to be able to go into that beautiful sun and enjoy life because he's taking care of you. He uses logic, he uses time, he uses, and all of it was by Jesus. That's why Jesus is like, the, he's the God man. He saved you, he's, he's the one. And if you're here today and you're still wavering on whether you'll escape God's wrath, my question for you is this. Have you placed your faith in the work of Jesus Christ alone? If you're here today and you're wondering if you have done enough to do it, that's your problem. Because who are you focusing on? You. It's him. It's him. It's all on him. I, I turn, look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be ye saved, for I am God and none else. That's why Jesus would tell Nicodemus when he's talking to him at night and he's wondering how I can get to heaven, that's why he could say this, even as the, son of, even as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness. And of course, he's referring to a story where all these uh, snakes were biting the children of Israel and Moses stuck a serpent and he lifted it up on a pole that I believe probably looked like a cross. And in order for them to be able to be saved from the serpent bites, all they had to do was to look at that brazen serpent and be saved. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, he says, and as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must I be lifted up. And whosoever believeth in me shall be saved. And then that famous verse in John 3, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Have you placed your faith in God's work alone? Have you become a follower of Jesus? It's so simple. 
Repent and believe the gospel. At the moment, okay, if you've done that, at the moment that you were justified, you get all the benefits that come with it. Now, some of you may be still wondering, am I, do I really have the work of God in my heart? You know, one of the things I would ask you to do is this. Do you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life? What are the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. If your life is not characterized by those things, I would tell you, examine yourself to see if you were in the household of faith. I mean, Paul tells them to do that. Because when Jesus saves you, he gives you his spirit. And that doesn't mean that you're going to have massive fruit right away. But it means that God is going to be developing those in your life. And he's going to finish the job and you can rest in it. Some of you here today, you may need to grow in your understanding of the gospel. I want you, and I think God wants you, to rest in God and what he's done for you. But that's not all, and our text ends with this. Not only can you rest in God's work on your behalf, I want you to see as well that you can rejoice in God through Jesus Christ. And that was, that's what verse 11 closes out with. It says this, More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Okay. I love those first three words. More than that. Paul now tells them, okay, he's told them that they have been justified, that they have been reconciled, but because they've been justified and they can be, they've been reconciled, what can they do now? They can rejoice. They can rejoice. That's the same word. Okay, did you catch this? It's the same word that was used in verse 2 of chapter 5 and in verse 3. It's the word, as I've said to you, it's the idea of you can boast in God. You can exult in him. You can glory in God. So if you remember back to the first reference to it in verse 2, He told you that those people who have been justified can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And the idea is this. You and I, because we've been justified, we can be someone who's so excited because we know that one day we're going to see the glory of God and we are going to share in it. And so we can look, we can rejoice in this future home and status that we're going to have. Okay, so that's one thing we can rejoice in. But then in verse 3, we find out we can rejoice in something else. Not only can we rejoice in something in the future, okay, we can rejoice in the midst of the present because he says this, not only that in verse 3, but we rejoice in our what? Our sufferings. And the idea is this, that even now, whatever suffering that you may have, Whatever you're going up against and whatever you are, God is sovereignly allowing into your life, you can actually rejoice in it because God is producing character 
in your life. He's producing endurance. He's working all things for good. And in fact, what he's going to use in that particular trial is he's going to add more hope in the future for you. So you can rejoice in that. And so Paul is like saying, hey, have a party about your future home and have a party, you could say, and exult in your current sufferings. But then he ends this section of Romans by saying this, more than that. And what he does, I think, is this. He puts the frosting on the cake. Okay, Patty Chew, I know you love frosting. Okay, I love cake, okay? I love all dessert, okay? I particularly love ice cream, okay? But cake is not a cake unless it has what? Frosting. I mean, it just finishes the job, okay? And I, 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 I love sugar, uh, and I just love eating it. Well, here's their sugar in this passage, okay? He says this, not only that, but now you and I get to rejoice in who? In God. We can rejoice in God. This is not something future. And this is not just the fruit and how God's going to give me more hope. It's actually God himself. This is rejoicing beyond the gifts, okay? It's beyond our future home and beyond the endurance and character and hope and trials. But we can actually rejoice in God himself. He is ours through the work of reconciliation. How can this happen? I love it again. It's like, here's the alarm system. Okay, let me read it to you again. More than that, we also rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like Paul can't get over it. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. Through whom we have received reconciliation. What that means is this, you and I can actually rejoice in God. Um, One of the benefits that I have as a pastor is I often get to conduct uh, weddings. And I love being able to stand at the end. I, I, I got the best seat in the house, okay? So like, when the doors open and the bride's there, which just saw this with the parlos, the doors open, I get to look at her, see him, and then I'm right there and I'm looking at him and I'm getting him to see her. Okay, let me tell you, when that happens, they don't care about any of the other gifts they've been given. They are just glad to see each other and that is, that's it. That's, that's what they love. They're rejoicing in each other. That's what I want for you. It's not another human. This is where you and I, because of our salvation, can actually exult and rejoice in God. We can do that even though our spouse has left us. Even though they may have gone to heaven or they've run away or... We can do that even when all of the other human loves fail. We can actually, because of our salvation, we can rejoice in God. We can actually find him. That's what Psalm 73 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, 
but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Lebanon Baptist Church, have you lost your passport? Okay. This morning in our text, he shows you where you can put your hand on it again. Remind yourself he justified you and reconciled you, and if he did that, he will take care of you in the future. You are not only going home to your heavenly home, but guess what? You can hold his hand on the way there. He's with you. He will never leave you. He's right there. And lo, I am with you what? Always, even unto the end of the age. I will never leave you nor what? Forsake you. So today you can rest and rejoice in the God who has saved you completely. So, so what? You say, Pastor Brian, where do I go from here? Well, just a real quick few areas of application. Number one, some of you may need to kick the tires on your salvation. Have you actually depended on him? Are you still trying to do it yourself? Have you looked to Jesus on what he did on the cross to save you? Kick the tires on your faith. Number two, some of you may need to do this. You may need to check your inbox for your gifts. You ever done that before where someone says they sent you something and it ended up in the junk mail? You actually had it, but it was in the junk mail. You weren't paying attention to it. Let me tell you, when you got saved, God sent you peace, access, hope, love, his spirit. And you may, you may have lost it because it went to your junk mail, but it's there and it's yours and you can have it and you need to rejoice in it. And you need to put it back in your inbox and you need to go to it every day and rejoice in him. I'll also say this, no that even when you have all of this and you're rejoicing in God, know that there will be difficulties and there will be testings of your faith. And that's what Romans 6 and Romans 7 do. They tell you there are going to be times that you're going to fall flat on your face and you're going to come to church having given into your sin again. And it's sometimes going to cause you to doubt, but it's reminding you that he has done the work for you and you can trust him. But it also tells us, as it says in Colossians earlier, those who are truly believers will continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. I believe in the perseverance of the saints. You will persevere. Two other things. Not only have you received reconciliation, you are now an ambassador of that reconciliation. You who have received that, you're to be someone who pushes reconciliation to other people. That's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And what has he done? He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you've experienced this reconciliation, you are actually to be somebody who pronounces it to other people. And I'll throw this in. If you are a herald of reconciliation, 
Are you seeking reconciliation in all of the relationships in your life? Are you seeking it with your spouse? Are you seeking it with that person you wronged on the other side of the church? That's what the gospel, that's one of the fruit. And we'll get to that at the end of Romans. And the final thing is this. If you're doubting today, go hard to the gospel. Go hard to God. You find him in the gospel. Read this. Get this settled. If you need to talk to somebody about this struggle in your life, there are, I mean, that's what I did. In fact, I think I was a junior in college. I finally went to somebody and they opened the Bible and God used over time for me just rehearsing the gospels to myself to get to a place where I rejoiced that he had dealt with my sin. And I, I know, and I can tell you today, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed unto him against that day. I know that my Redeemer lives and that he has stand, stood on this earth. And though after my death, worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see myself. My heart yearns for that. I look forward to it. And I trust you do too. Thank you for listening to Treasuring Scripture. It's our desire that every Christian treasure God's Word in their heart. To follow our podcast, please hit the subscribe button. If you're interested in learning more about our church, please visit LebanonBaptist.org.